0: Good morning, family. Do you have expectations? Of course you do. We, we all do. Sometimes our expectations are proper and realistic, but other times our expectations are unrealistic, right? Now let me ask you this. Do you have expectations for God? Are your expectations realistic or unrealistic? I think that most of the time our disappointment in God comes from our unrealistic expectations of Him. Well, Jesus addressed our unrealistic expectations of God. Let's look at Luke chapter 17. Hear the word of the Lord. The Apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. The Lord replied, If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Would any of you say to your servant who had just come in from the field after plowing or tending sheep, come sit down for dinner? Wouldn't you say instead, fix my dinner? Put on the clothes of a table servant and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you can eat and drink. You won't thank the servant because the servant did what you asked, will you? In the same way, When you have done everything required of you, you should say, We servants deserve no special praise. We have only done our duty. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. So we say, Thanks be to God. Today's Gospel story is another one of Jesus' puzzling statements. On top of it being puzzling, it sounds a bit harsh too, doesn't it? Jesus paints a scenario for us where a servant has been working hard all day, dirty and weary after a long day's work. The servant comes home, and the master, presumably you, has a number of expectations of that servant before he is allowed to eat dinner himself or even rest. The master expects the servant to serve his dinner, wait while he eats his meal, and then clear the table, wash the dishes, sweep the floor, serve dessert and coffee, and so forth and so on. Then the servant might be allowed to sit down and eat his own meal. Jesus then says that this is what the servant should expect. How does that make you feel? This man is, after all, the servant, right? The master does not owe him any thanks or any consideration. The servant should understand that doing all of this is simply his duty. This may feel a bit harsh, especially to those of us who are not accustomed to the idea of having servants, right? It just doesn't seem right to us. But what's the point Jesus is trying to make? The point here is that nothing the servant does obligates the master to do anything. The servant cannot earn the master's praise or obligate the master to repay him for his good work. That's not because the master is unkind or ungrateful. The master simply does not owe the servant anything. In fact, the opposite is probably the truth. The servant is most likely in debt to the master. Now, in telling the story, Jesus drew an analogy between God and the master and between the servant and us. By painting this word picture, Jesus discourages the idea that we can somehow earn God's approval. Where would we get that idea? Well, I think I know where we pick up that bad theology. Did you hear what Jesus said? If you have faith so small that it looks like a tiny mustard seed, you could say to a tree, pull yourself up by the roots and move over there. And according to Jesus, the tree will do it. So we hear those words and we assume that somehow our faith controls God, right? That if we have great faith, then God will do whatever we ask. But if our faith is weak, God will not respond. Are you with me? We hear this most often when someone is ill. Somebody says, if you just have faith, you will be healed. Or even worse, when someone is not doing well, folks say, you know, your faith just isn't strong enough. And we assume that if Jesus says that if we had any faith at all, then we would certainly be healed. But we fail to recognize that if this were true, then we would be manipulating God, wouldn't we? So, back to our story. If God is the master and I am the servant, is God obligated to do what I want God to do? Nope. And that is definitely not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus makes it clear that we, the servants, are simply expected to have faith. And having faith is part of being Christian, just like serving is part of being a servant. Our faith does not require God to do anything. God does not heal us because we have faith. God heals us because God is God. God loves us simply because God is love and He chooses to love us. God's power is active in our lives. God is present and available to us. God sustains our very life. God gives us more blessings than we ask. That's grace. And he does not give us the punishment we deserve. That's mercy. God does all of that, but not because we have faith. God does all of that because it is God's nature to love and to heal, to provide and to protect and to sustain. Neither our faith nor our actions can earn us God's favor. Nor can our faith or our actions earn us salvation. That's the other common misconception, right? Many people believe that they must be good or do good in order to be saved. Or on the other hand, they believe that their past or current behavior makes it impossible for them to be redeemed. Yet there is nothing you can do to earn God's favor or blessing. It's a free gift offered by Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection. God's love is a free gift offered with no requirements or regulations. God simply is love, and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have already saved us. Nothing we can do, no amount of faith we can possibly generate, makes God love us more or makes us more saved. Being saved is already a done deal. It's an accomplished fact. Our responsibility, then, is to respond to God's action in and through Jesus. We are called to a life of faith. We are called to have faith, not in order to get God to love us or to heal us or to get Jesus to save us. We are called to have faith because God loves and heals us. We are called to have faith because Jesus has saved us. Our faith does not need to impress God or anyone else for that matter. Our faith simply needs to respond to what God has given us. So this week, remember that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection have already made the life and love of God available to you. So pause to listen to the voice of God's Spirit and become aware of all the gifts God has given you. And know, believe that you are infinitely loved. That's what we mean when we say, God loves you, no matter what. Right? Respond to God's love with thankfulness and love in return. That is your faith. And that faith, even as small as the tiniest mustard seed, it could transform you and the world. For God, working through you, can do more than you can ever ask or imagine. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Good and gentle God, we have found this world to be full of alternative roots some looking quite promising, less demanding, well-promoted by those who are in the know. And we confess to having tried a few, and almost always found that the reality never matched all the hype and expectations. So we walk this well-trodden path that's been here for generations, less fashionable it would seem, with some tricky sections to navigate, and yet in such good company that even should we stumble, you are there to help. And the longer we walk this path with you, of course, as our guide and our master. And the more and more we fall in love with you, the more and more realistic our expectations become. Father, today we come to you to pray for the sick. We pray for everyone who is in pain, for everyone who is tired, for folks who are uncertain, and for those who need wisdom and direction. We certainly pray for peace again today. We pray for lands scarred by war and for communities and neighborhoods torn apart by violence and drugs. We pray for those who are afraid. We pray for peace for anyone and everyone who feels stress and pressure and uncertainty today. And we ask for justice. Fill us with your spirit to work for peace, to bring justice and to offer grace and mercy. Give us hearts of compassion. Help us to care for and about the last the least, the lost, the lonely, the left out. And now using the words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As always, thank you for joining me today. I really do hope that these words were helpful to you. If they were, will you like, review, and share this message? If you leave a good review, it will help other people find and benefit from these messages. Also, if you have a need or prayer request, please leave a message in the comments section and be assured that I will be praying for you and for your need. This week, your job is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it. Why? Because everyone needs love and everyone needs to know that God loves them no matter what, right? Remember with Jesus, we always, always, always have Hope, now receive these words of benediction today. May the Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen? Amen.